Good morning. It is so good to see all of you. I love the gathering. I also love timers on cell phones. They keep me honest. I would like to congratulate all of you for making it through Thanksgiving. Like, amen, you did it. Um, for some of us, Thanksgiving is awesome, amazing, incredible. We get to be with people that we love, and they're our family, like at the same time. For some of us, there is pain and loss and grief. And so I just want to say that I know um, from personal experience that sometimes the holidays can be incredible, and sometimes they can be really hard. So I just want to remind you to be kind to yourself. Just give yourself some grace and be kind to yourself as you process and um, move from Thanksgiving into the hustle bustle over the next month. Just be nice to yourself. That is my wise words of wisdom for the holidays. And some of you do know me, some of you might not, so I figured visual aid would be very helpful. So I brought some old school Christmas pictures. Um, the first one is me and my little sister, Jean Louise. What about that hair, guys? <laughs> like, let's just take a moment to acknowledge the fact that my mom has really fine, thin hair, and she didn't know what to do with a child who had crazy, insane curly hair. So I pretty much look like I stuck a finger, my finger in a socket from, like, second grade until junior high. That is that. Normally it's curly, but I got a new flat iron, and so every once in a while it's straight. So I'm not... All you curly hair girls out there, I'm not ditching you. I'm committed, I love curly hair, but just trying something new, just trying it out. Um, oh, Jean, she's so cute. Okay, so just me and my sister, just us 10 years apart, that's with my mom, who's amazing, and raised us by herself. And then the next picture is my hunk of burn in love, <laughs> right there. He's Joseph, can't you tell? And we're going to read about Joseph today. So I thought it was kind of awesome that I was able to find a picture of Jeff dressed as Joseph. And this is his sister playing Mary and then baby Jesus, you can see, um, his sister Joni. So he's one of four. He has two older sisters and one younger brother. But that's, and those stockings, his mom still hangs up. Like, she still has those same ones. And I think one year she's going to pull them out of the box and they're just going to disintegrate. <laughs> but traditions are important. So um, Jeff and I met at Simpson University, which is a Christian and Missionary Alliance school down in Reading. And after we'd been dating for a while, we went on a road trip to the happiest place on earth, which is? Disneyland. Disneyland. So this is us at the happiest place on earth during Christmas. I'm going to tell you guys right now, one of my favorite experiences in my entire life is fake snow on Main Street. <laughs> Has anybody been to Disneyland at Christmas time? And the light parade happened, and then afterwards, there's like these blowers and this fake snow on Main Street, and I'm like 20 whatever years old, and I'm like, yay, wee, like me and all the five-year-olds. But it was awesome. So someday I would like to take my children to experience the fake snow on Main Street at Disneyland. And then this last one is my whole family. And this is, uh, where are we? Who knows where we're at? Zoo Lights, Zoo Lights, Portland Zoo Lights. Amazing, 
very fun, very cold, very cold. I wasn't one of the smart ones that invested in a coat that covered my bum. So my bum was numb for like 24 hours after we went to the zoo lights because it was exposed. Well, I mean, not like literally exposed. I wasn't walking around with my hiney out, but I only had jeans and then my coat on the top half. But anyways, now that you have that picture in your head. Um, my hunk of Vernon loved Jeff, and then my, or not my, our, our, right husband? Hi. Um, our oldest son, Caleb, and then Samaria. They're 10 and 9, and then the twins, Isabel and Olivier. They're 6, um, and we adopted them from the DRC, and they are hilarious. They're very funny. I love this. These ages right now are super fun. And I know I tell you guys this, especially the hearts at home moms, every time I see you, but it's true. Once they can wipe themselves and buckle themselves, total game changer. <laughs> and carry on really deep conversations. Like, where do babies come from? That's a fun one. <laughs> it actually is fun. We got to talk about the birds and the bees with our two oldest in the last couple of months. And the first tech conversation was with our son, and my husband giggled the entire time. <laughs> he wasn't even that helpful. <laughs> like, I'm trying to, like, give the breakdown of how this all works, and he's over there. <laughs> like, full body laugh. I was like, a little bit of help here, but it was good. It was good. Being... A mom and a wife is amazing and incredible, and I love it, and it is hard. So for those of you that did travel here with little people, you made it. Congratulations. Take a breather. For those of you that are flying solo, oh, enjoy it. Soak it up. I thought it was appropriate for us with this theme of the gathering this year being beyond to look at some passages about the Christmas story. That works, right? So we're going to be diving into Matthew 1 first. And before we start that, I want to pray really quick. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for each and every woman that is here. Thank you that they get to walk through those doors carrying everything that is with them. And you love them and see them right where they're at. No matter what's going on in their lives right now, you see them and you love them and you desire this time with them. And so I thank you that we can bring it all to the throne room. All our worries and stresses and anxieties and insecurities and all of our hopes and our dreams and our joys, we can bring it all to you. And I just thank you for that. We give this time to you. Lord, let my words be yours. Um, I want to be your vessel this morning. Amen. Okay, so we're going to jump into scripture. We have some handy-dandy slides to make it a lot easier. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. This is God's holy word. So I feel like there might be a few things that we should establish before we go on. First thing is that Matthew is the writer of the first book of the New Testament, the Torah, Torah's Old Testament. He's the first, and he is the one who's bridging the gap of 400 years. So all of our Old Testament, and then 400 years, and then Matthew starts recording. That's a really long time. 400 years of hoping and praying that the Messiah is going to come. That's a really long time. And he, in his being a tax collector and being very like numbers and everything in order and everything makes sense, I'm not necessarily like that, but I know people who are and they're really great. Like everything kind of falls in order and they, all, they know how to do math. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> So as Matthew is writing this book, what he's doing is really important because if, if you notice as, you read, as we read that and then as we will read some more, he often refers to, and it is so as the prophet said. So what Matthew's doing is he's creating and establishing credibility for the fact that the prophets and all those things that were said are actually happening here and now. Does that make sense? So he's also establishing the genealogy. At the very beginning of the chapter, he's going over, like, the connection of Adam from the very beginning to Jesus, same bloodline. And that's really important because that is all in the Old Testament as part of the prophecy for what is to come. And I think sometimes the Old Testament gets a bad rap because it just feels like a, like a bunch of stories sometimes. But, wow, the Old Testament is so rich of God's goodness and his persistent pursuit of his children, and then all the hope that comes with the Messiah, and, and, then, and now diving into the beginning of Matthew, we to see those things coming to life. Also, I think it's important to realize that Jewish culture is very different. So if you notice, as we were reading it, that passage, at the very beginning, it talks about how they were, like, betrothed. But then he was going to divorce her quietly, but then he was going to take her as his wife. So, like, it kind of gets confusing. So, in Jewish culture, what would happen is the first step is the engagement. And the engagement is actually when they're little. And it's either the parent or a matchmaker, which always makes me think, matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. So, just so you're up in my head right now, that's exactly what just happened. I would love to be a matchmaker. I think that would be a really fun job. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, so either a matchmaker or the parent would like say, ooh, let's do this cute little one and this cute little one, and like, it's going to work. And that's engagement. Marriage, like, usually happened when the girls were as young as 12. And once the men were 20, they were considered old. Like, 20 was like old man marriage which is hilarious to me, because I don't even think upstairs is all the way developed yet. <laughs> so 
so they're already getting married and reproducing. I don't know. But anyway, so 20 is considered pretty old, and then 12 is about the youngest of the girls. So there's the engagement, and then the betrothal. And the betrothal is what Mary and Joseph are in right now. So Mary and Joseph are in the betrothal, which lasts a year. And in that year, they are considered husband and wife with no benefits, <laughs> if you catch my drift. So your husband and wife, but you don't even like get to sleep together, which is pretty much a bummer. <laughs> Such a bummer. But again, in Jewish culture, if, if, if people would have found out that she was pregnant in that time, that would have been adultery. And the consequences for that are death. So usually by stoning. So as Joseph is processing all of this, it's like, okay, wait. My betrothed wife is pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Okay. And then also, if word gets out, she's going to get stoned. Joseph is a good man with integrity and character and wants to protect his wife's reputation. Like, that's what he's doing. He's not, I don't, I mean, I, I think sometimes he gets a little bit of a bad rap, like he was trying to run out. No way. He was protecting his bride. He was loving her well and trying to take care of things very quietly and discreetly. Because after that year of betrothal, then you have like the proper wedding. And the proper wedding for Jewish culture is when you consummate the marriage. And then everybody hangs outside a tent while you do it. <laughs> and when I say it, it's what I mean. That sounds horrible, by the way. <laughs> Having my mom just right outside the first time. Doesn't that sound horrible? So anyways, so Joseph being a great man is protecting his wife and loves her very much and wants to keep her safe from harm. And so he is going to take care of this quietly. He's going to divorce her discreetly. Maybe she'll get a fine. Yes, that is what would happen. Women would get a fine if the divorce happened before the consummation of the marriage. Um, if there wasn't like adultery and they didn't get stoned or something. So minimum, she would have had to pay a fine and probably not ever get married. And then maximum would be death. So anywhere within that is kind of what we're dealing with here. I believe that in this particular situation, Joseph was being pushed beyond. He was being pushed beyond what was culturally acceptable. He was being pushed beyond what was even like integrity-filled and right within his own soul. He was being pushed beyond what would be, I mean, it really would have made more sense to just kind of take care of it quietly and move on. But because he was close to the Father heart of God, because he listened and obeyed, he stayed in it. So I think sometimes we think about this idea of beyond as always moving and going, I actually think there are times when God calls us beyond and it's sitting right in what we're in. It's not actually going. And I feel like Joseph did that very well. He was listening, he was obedient, and he stayed in it. And he ended up marrying his wife, which sounds funny, I know, but now that you know the Jewish tradition, culture, you're tracking with me. So he married his wife and didn't have any relations with her until after Jesus was born, which is actually pretty important because we need to ensure that it, is, that it is divine, right? So, like, nothing in between, which 
It's not that fun at that time in this game anyways. But um, again, Joseph honoring his bride. Oh, I just think Joseph is, I have so much respect for him. I have so much respect for him. Um, and I think that when we are challenged with being in it, and that is what is pushing us beyond, or that's what's calling us beyond to actually stay put, is really hard sometimes. Um, and I think it's important for us to realize that sometimes beyond is actually going and moving, which brings us to the next passage, because if you know the story, then um, baby's born, and then the Magi get like the dream and the go, and then follow the star, go to Bethlehem, and then they go to Bethlehem. Herod tells them, like, you should go check on the baby and tell me how he's doing. But really, Herod just wanted to wipe him out. So an angel comes and tells them, don't go back to Herod, go a different way, and like, just let it be. And then that brings us up to this portion of the scripture. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up. Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. Oh, my goodness. So here we are with Joseph. He's sleeping, has another dream, and... The angels, like, get up and go now. His beyond was to get up and go. His beyond was to move and to move now. Not like after you pack everything up and have a goodbye party and, like, make sure everybody has your forwarding address and, like, all of this stuff. Like, seriously, this is crazy. Could you imagine if you woke up tomorrow morning and your neighbors were gone? Like, just gone. Well, what happened? Where'd they go? What, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Or even if you're married and you're just sleeping and you're so excited to be sleeping because baby Jesus is asleep and so you get asleep. And you're like, mm, dreamland. And then Joseph's like, get up. We're going to Egypt. Like, I mean, we're talking a long journey, probably on a donkey again, right? Like, let's go. But like now. And so th- I love that Joseph has in, that, in this sh- In this documentation in Matthew, in these two chapters, there's two amazing examples of him being called beyond and to stay and to sit in it, and then for him to be called beyond and actually get up and go, and get up and go now. Following God does not make sense. Amen? Right? Like, we believe that a fully God, fully human, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, then lived a perfect life, 
perfect, then crucified, dies, goes, you know, down there for three days, then comes back again alive. I'm not trying to be mean, but it's kind of crazy. Like what we believe is a little bit crazy. And that's what faith is and that's what trust is. And the heavenly kingdom and the earthly kingdom are two different ballgames. And we're trying our best here, but the honest truth is following God doesn't always make sense. And it doesn't always make sense to sit and to stay in it. And it doesn't always make sense to go and to do, like, move in the middle of the night. But there's only one way to discern it. And that's being close to your dad. That's knowing his voice. That's spending time with him. That's how we get the wisdom and the discernment and the insight to know what our beyond is. If our beyond is to go or to stay. Or maybe it's just to move one step at a time forward really, really carefully. I don't know about for you guys, but for me, in my own life, um, Salem is actually my twofer. <laughs> the go and be, and then it's really hard when you're in it. So um, Jeff was an intern here at Salem Alliance um, for in 2001 and 2002 for a year. And in that year, I would come up and visit. I was still finishing up school in Reading. And I would come up and visit and sleep on people's floors because I was so excited to be with my boyfriend. Um, and then come to church or go to Alessandro's. Who remembers Alessandro's? Over there, like the spaghetti factory is there now. And like, eh. But Alessandro's with some really good food. And we were very committed to Alessandro's. We actually named our our amazing chocolate lab, Allie, after Alessandro's. Like, that's how committed we were to Alessandro's. Um, but anyways, I digressed. Uh, we just fell in love with Salem, and we fell in love with Salem Alliance. And there is no church that is perfect. But this is a really safe place. This is a great place to ask questions. It's a great place to heal. And... Um, we saw that even as young 20-year-olds, that this was a place that we wanted to be someday, that we wanted to come and be a part of this body. And so even in our dating relationship, we are like, man, if God brought us back to Salem Alliance, like, that would just be the best. Um, we picked out our children's names over at the McGrath Fish House. Not actually kidding. Yes, we were just dating and not married. But we were just talking about names we liked. Who picks out a name at the fish house? <laughs> this one. <laughs> Anyways, Salem just has lots of great memories, and we just wanted to be here. We wanted to be a part of this body, and we wanted to be in the Pacific Northwest. And so we, did, we served at another church in Reading for six years, and then we felt released. And we weren't sure. There was an opportunity in, like, Wisconsin, and then opportunity here at Salem and another, actually another Alliance Church in Reading, and we weren't really sure what to do. But all the while in the back of my head, I'm like, Fantastic Fridays over here at Grant. I don't know if any of you were around for Fantastic Fridays, but it's a partnership with Grant School where Salem Alliance will go over and do a, a program on Fridays for the kids. And so Jeff was a part of that as an, in, as an intern. Um, 
And I have this picture of him with like all these cutie Latino kids just climbing all over him. And he's just like this growling. And I was just like, someday I want my kid to go to Grant. Like, I just think that would be amazing. So those are the kinds of things that are floating around in the back of my head as we're like looking at these different opportunities and trying to figure out where God wants us to go. He swings the doors wide open. It's very clear. Salem's where we're headed. We get to Salem, the promised land, the beyond that we had hoped for and wanted, right? And my house is in three different locations because I'm living in an apartment above Jen and Jeff Ross. I have half of my stuff in Becky Levy at the time, now Gothard's house over here on Fifth Street. And then the other third of my stuff is in some storage unit. I have a seven-month-old, and I just found out I was pregnant with another one. Not on purpose. Um, I mean, what we did was on purpose. Like, the baby part wasn't on purpose. Let's clarify. So I was not in a good place. Left. I'd lived in Reading for 10 years. That's the longest I'd, lived, I'd ever lived in a place. Both sets of grandparents were there. Aunts and uncles were there. Cut, cousins weren't there yet. They were coming. Um, and I show up to that apartment with my little baby, sight unseen. I'd never even seen the apartment that we were moving into. I, I, think, a, I think a few pictures. Did you email us pictures? Yeah, she emailed us pictures. So I saw some pictures. And I like walk in and I look around, I'm like, oh, oh, this is what we always wanted. <laughs> I cried in the morning when Jeff left for work and was usually still crying when he got home. I had no friends. Jennifer Roth uh, single-handedly picked me up from the depths of despair. Uh, Laura also helped. <laughs> um, it was hard. Our beyond and our get up and go ended up being really hard. Harder than I ever imagined it. So one night I'm crying and I say to Jeff, if this is God's best, I don't want it. If this is really what he has for us, like I don't want it. And he takes my face, puts, him in his, puts it in his hands and he says, I did not hear the voice of God for us to move here and for you to give up. I'll carry you. And I just thought, okay, I guess we're going to stay. I guess we're going to stick this out. In the first um, 15 months that we lived in Salem, I drove back to Reading 11 times. It's a six-hour drive with an infant and a pregnant belly. Solo. That's how desperate I was to get out of my promised land. <laughs> Fast forward, like three or four months, maybe, eh, six months, whatever, a while. And we get a phone call from a pastor in Reading, and he says, um, I know you just moved. But I called your old lead pastor and cleared it with him and wanted to see if you'd consider coming here and being our worship pastor. And Jeff sat on it for like five days before telling me, infinite wisdom that guy has. Because <laughs> I would have been like, yep, we're packing right now, let's go. <laughs> Actually, you pack, I'll drive. <laughs> um, and he came to me and said, 
So I got a call, and what do you think, and what should we do? And I just, pfft, ugly cry, because <laughs> I'm like, everything in me wanted to go back. Because that's what was safe, and that's what was comfortable, and that's where I was known, and I had family there, and I had friends there, and I had like a place there. Um, and we had an opportunity to choose to stay in it. And so we talked and we prayed and we felt like God was definitely saying, stay. You get to choose this all over again. And so we did. And that was in January. And then February was groundbreaking over here for the Broadway building. So I don't know if there were some of you that were here for that. But John Stembo, our lead pastor at the time, had just been super duper sick and almost died many times. And it was crazy pants. And it was like his first appearance um, Jeff and Laura were leading worship, and, and John gets up and talks, and I'm like, you know, kind of like this, holding Sam, like chasing Caleb. Jennifer, do you, do you remember you had like the little like worship ribbon things with Caleb, and he's over here like making circles, happy as it could be, and I'm like, this is so wonderful. I'm so glad we're here. I love this place. Like, it was so great because I felt like, we got to choose to stay in it because we were listening to our dad's voice. And then we got to see healing and transformation. And man, we get to be a part of this body. And it's, we have a medical, a free medical clinic. Like, we have opportunities for people to come and get counseling. Like, we're a church body that cares about the community and the nation. Like, we would have missed out on so much if we weren't here. Some of my best friends are here. And if we weren't sitting close to the Father heart of God and listening to his voice, we would have missed out on that. If Joseph wasn't listening to his dad, his son would have been brutally murdered. If he did not get up and go immediately. End of story. Time check. I think that you're probably getting the idea that beyond, there's a whole bunch of options in that. But if you leave with nothing else today, I pray that it is the only way to know if you're supposed to stay or go or whatever your beyond is, the only way to know is to be with your dad. The only way to know is to seek God. The only way to know is to be in the, in the word. The only way to know is to be quiet and still before him. He's the one. He's the one. I've got a song that I want to share with you guys. And um, I think for me... A lot of times, I get wrapped in what can I do. And so sitting is really hard for me. It's actually a lot easier for me to go. It really is. Like, if he says, go do this, I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's do this. Like, I'm very addicted to productivity. I like to see results. Um, so just sitting is really hard for me. And I've, I've had to learn how to just sit with him. 
And this song by Jen Johnson is one that has been very instrumental to me personally in learning how to sit and listen to his voice. And what he wants from me is my attention and my presence. It's not productivity. It's not like, look at this ministry that I'm doing and look at this Bible study that I did and look at all these other things that like he actually just wants me. Um, so we're gonna play that for you guys real quick. to be with you a little longer. 
I hope that the invitation is really clear. The invitation from your Heavenly Father to just sit in his presence and to be with him. He's absolutely in love with you. He adores you. He delights in you. He enjoys your presence. No matter what your pain is, no matter what your joy is, no matter age, race, like nothing, none of the things that we with our human eyes look at, he sees. He sees our souls. He sees our beauty. He created us with purpose because he loves us. He loves you and he sees you and he wants to have intimate relationship with you. That's why he went to the cross. He went to the cross so that we could have relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so Natalie's gonna come up and play some music while you guys get to sit at your table. And there are the little round circles that your candle goes in. So if you were, if you came in and got a candle, great. And if you don't have a candle, we'd love to hand those out to you. So just like kind of wave your hand. But there's the little holders, um, the white paper circles, and you can grab a colored pencil and or a pen or whatever you want. And this is um, the question that we are gonna put up on the screen for you. And we'll probably leave it up there for a while while Natalie's playing. As you listen to Jesus, what do you hear him saying to you? Is he saying, I love you? Is he saying, no matter how hard it is, I'll carry you? Is he saying, just, just sit with me, just stay here, just be present? Is he saying, it's time to go, it's time to move, it's time to take this next step? What is your dad saying to you?
Okay, for the light to be seen, we have to go to dark places. Hard times, hard places. And as long as we are close to our daddy's heart, he's always with us. So as you take this candle and you blow it out, I encourage you and challenge you to stick it somewhere in your home that you can see to remember how great the Father's love is for you and to remember that he spoke to you here this morning about how much he loves you and what he desires for you. Thank you all so much for coming this morning and engaging and praying and worshiping and listening to your dad's voice. I want to pray a blessing over you as you go. Heavenly Father, may we be women who take our light into the world. May we be women whose lights are filled up and lit and fueled and fanned by your heart and by your love and by your voice. May you be the oil that keeps our lamp burning. May you be the wick that keeps our candles lit, God. We desire to hear from you. I bless every single woman in this place right here and right now with the ability to hear your voice, with the hunger and a thirst for more of you and what you are calling them to, what their beyond is. Thank you so much for this morning. Go in peace. Amen.